Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. He is our elder, and uh, he told me he was 38. Correct? 38. Now, you got to be a mathematician to be able to discern that. Brother McCune, would you lead us in prayer, please? Amen. All right. You may be seated. Four times in those two verses, David asked that question. How long, O Lord? And although we can't determine for certain the conditions from which David was expressing his feelings, we don't know exactly, but we do know all, if you do any research at all, all commentators uh, agree on this thing, that David was the author. Now, that means a lot. Amen? It means a lot. And so, some have the opinion that David wrote this psalm as he was running from his own son, Absalom. I wonder, Brother Cliff, did you drain those lights down for me? And how many of you know who Absalom was? Right? Well, you're good. If you don't, make a note of that name, do a little research. He is by far one of the most interesting characters that you will come by in the Old Testament, especially during the, the king period. But So some think that that's where he wrote this from. And if that was the case, then we could follow David's footsteps and we could actually hear his heart cry as we read from 2 Samuel, the 15th chapter, what was taking place. Listen to these words. Absalom, his son, had turned on him, ran him out of the palace. Wow. His firstborn, no less. And David says this. He says to all his officials who were with him in Jerusalem, come, we must flee, or none of us will escape Absalom. Verse 23 says, And the whole countryside, listen to this, this is your king. This is David. And it says, The whole countryside, they wept aloud as they watched King David cross the Kidron Valley. Get that mental picture. This is the king. And verse number 30 says, But David continued up the Mount of Olives as he was making his escape from his son Absalom. And as he walked up Mount, the Mount of Olives, the Bible says that he was weeping as he went. His head was covered and he was barefoot. How long? Oh, Lord, am I going to be in this season? All the people covered their heads. But as with most of the writings of the word of the Lord, David's words and feelings are the same feelings that we all go through at times in this journey called life. Ever been there? Here we are. We're in our third winter of COVID. We're in COVID 39 or whatever. And it appears to be just as 
rampant this winter as it was in winter number one and winter number two. How long? Now, I don't know about you, but I was asking that question in year number one. How long, oh Lord? Is this thing going to go on? Till you know, they're thinking, well, got to break that, what do they, they call it, break the curve or whatever. I done broke that a long time ago. And, but as uh, I was missing in action for a week, and uh, I got to thinking, for some weird reason, I got to thinking, Lord, how long is this, how long are you, because see, I believe that God is all-powerful, and there is nothing that is done unless he permits it to be done. And so I thought, how long, oh Lord, are you going to allow this thing to drag on? According to the world COVID tracker, it has claimed a total of 5,700,000 lives globally. You can believe the report. Thankfully, when such questions come into my thinking, that I am a blessed individual to have the completed, authorized version written by the author and the finisher and the creator and the redeemer and the savior and my great physician. I've got the authorized version here. And so, like all good believers and Christians, my attention is drawn to that, whatever cover your Bible is, brown, black, blue, they got them all colors anymore, don't they? There's nothing, you know, the black one just kind of, it does something for me. But anyway, but my attention is drawn to that book. And I look at the writings recorded in Luke 21, verse number 11. Most Bible students believe this is really a two-dimensional uh, teaching here from the Lord. He is definitely speaking of the destruction that was going to come to Jerusalem in AD 70. But also, they feel that there is a future end time scenario that he's making reference to. Very powerful chapter. Make a note of it. If you've never read it, do you good. And here's what it says. From the Amplified Version, it says, the... Apostles were asking questions. They said, Lord, how long? In sense, I'm paraphrasing, but they're saying, Lord, when will all of these end time things take place? You know, and one gospel writer says, What will be the end of the world? Oh. And here's what the that the author and finisher, here's what he tells us. You understand that he sees the ending from the beginning. There is nothing hidden in the sight of God. He knows exactly what is going to take place today. He knew it in the Garden of Eden, by the way. Here's what the writer says. He says, there will be mighty and violent earthquakes in various places there will be famines and pestilences. There will be plagues, malignant and contagious or infectious epidemic diseases, deadly and devastating. And there will be sites of terror, 
and great signs from heaven. But to you and I, he tells us this in verse number 28. He says, and when these things begin to take place, he says, stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is getting really, really close. It's getting really close. Now, as I was waiting for a negative test, I figured it would come in day one, right? But it didn't. I figured, well, certainly day two, I'll, you know, I'll get a negative test. I mean, how long? You know, I mean, this is either my second or third bout with this thing. Before, I never, I can't be 100% sure that I had it because I never tested. This time, my wife ordered the in-house formula. She says, here, swab this around your nostril a few times. In the beginning, they, you know, they made it go up into your brain, and I wasn't going to have that. This was an easy one. But I was reminded as I was reading, and I was reminded of Ezekiel 38, and it's a very likely connection to modern-day Russia. I was reminded of Revelation 9 because there's nothing hidden under the sun if God's people would choose to read about it in the book. He is not trying to hide anything from us. It's a revelation of who He is and who we are. He's not trying to hide anything from us. He's trying to open your eyeballs. And I was reminded of Revelation 9 and its possible connection to modern-day China. Go ahead, mark it, read it. Huh. And, and I'm drawn to the Scriptures of Ezekiel 37, which we all could agree. It is the fulfillment of Israel becoming a declared nation again. In 1948, after being scattered to the four corners of the earth for 1,900 years. How long? How long, God's people? How long, Lord? And on Thursday, January 27th, as I was waiting impatiently for a negative test that would take 10 minutes, I was tired and irritated, especially at not being able to celebrate my 68th birthday the way I had planned. I mean... You've not lived until you experience our family's rendition of happy birthday. Cooper can play it for you sometime. But you see, January 27th is actually a very important day in the history of the world. Yeah. Because January the 27th, as I was contemplating and being a little bit irritated about my dilemma of being incapacitated for an entire week. January 27th is an international day of remembrance because on January 27th, 1945, the prisoner survivors of a place called Auschwitz were liberated by Allied armies. It is a day adopted by no less than the UN General Assembly in November 2005, passing Resolution 60-7, marking it the day to remember the 6 million Jewish people, I'm sorry, Israeli people, I'm sorry, God's chosen nation people, being killed in German concentration camps 
during WW2, a war that would kill between 70, hold on, that would kill between 70 and 85 million eternal souls. How long, O oh Lord? One can only imagine the tens of thousands of times that the Jewish people would pray these very words. You need to read a couple of books, folks, about survivors of the situation. It'll bring all of our little piddly things, and I'm not downplaying whatever you're going through today. Trust me, okay? Because it's real. But being relative to what some of our parents and grandparents went through doesn't hold a candle. Amen? A day to remember such stories as a young lady who was 21, I believe, named Gina Turgle, who survived not one, not two, but three camps. She even, God was upon her life in such a way, she walked out of a gas chamber somehow due to a malfunction. But Auschwitz would take the lives of her seven siblings and her father. How long? Oh Lord. David said, How long, oh Lord, will you allow my enemy to seemingly triumph over me? You see, in the big picture, the story of human suffering is about God's redemption of His people. It's about God trying to reach out to you and I and pull us out of a lost world that has no bearing, that has no moral compass, and trying to get you and I established on a rock that is Christ Jesus, the author and the finisher of our Christian faith. I was reminded of Daniel, the 12th chapter, where Daniel was receiving all these visions and receiving all these dreams. And even though he was given the gift of interpretation to a lot of them, there was a couple of times where he couldn't even figure it out. And here's what he says, Daniel 12, 1. It says, there will be a time of distress such has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Hello. I'm sorry. I, I have a birth certificate where I was born in Zion. I was born again the second time. I was born according to the gospel, according to Acts 2.38. My name is written down in the book of life. Daniel was saying, God told Daniel, he says, he says you got to understand, there's coming a time of distress such has never happened from the beginning of nations. People are going to be flying around in spaceships. Knowledge is going to be increased. People are going to have phones that you can communicate visually as well as orally anywhere around the planet. You're going to be driving a car that doesn't just go on the ground, but it airlifts. You know, it's a, it, it, it rides on the air. You can buy them a, a backpack with a jetpack. You can buy a jetpack. If you got enough money, you can pay, what's his name, Musk? 
You can buy a ride into space. <laughs> but God said, Daniel, he says, I know. He says, I'm giving you a lot of info here. He says, but I'm telling you, there's coming a time of such distress. It has never happened before. He says, but at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. He doesn't stop there. He says, multitudes who sleep, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. He says, multitudes, they're going to be sleeping in the dirt. That's called the graveyard. But when the last trump of God will sound, there will be a great awakening and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then there's a group of people that are still alive and remain unto the sounding of that trumpet. We shall be changed. We shall. We're going to be changed. It's not a maybe. It's not a possibility. It's going to be a reality. We shall be changed. Because we have been written in the book, the Lamb's book of life. My name is there. It says multitudes who sleep in the dusty earth are going to wake up. Some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Well, we like that first part, we don't especially like that last part. Here's what Daniel says in verse number six. He says, well, how long? <laughs> he says, how long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? You're giving me all this information, God. You're letting me see into the future. But I'm, uh, my question to you is, uh, how long until my redemption is completed? Verse number 10, God says, go your way, Daniel. He says, go your way, Daniel, because these words are sealed until the time of the end. Now, I'm not exactly 100% positive what exactly that means. All I know is that what he saw is very relevant to the day that I'm living in. We could go to the 400 years of Israel being under Egyptian bondage. Listen carefully to Exodus 3 and 7. The Lord speaking to Moses. The Lord said, I have seen... He said, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. He says, I have heard them crying, and I am concerned about their suffering. Listen, God, He not only knows what you're going through, He is concerned with how your faith is in operation during that time period. It's okay to ask how long. It's not okay to throw in the towel. But it is okay to pray your prayer. Lord, how long till I get out of this particular winter, dark, foggy atmosphere that I'm going through, Lord? How long? It's okay. He said, I've seen them. I've heard them. I'm concerned. He said, I am concerned with what my what these little kids, these young people are going through. Parents, are you giving them enough stamina spiritually to help them to stand in the face of adversity today? Grandparents, are you helping out? Dads, are you leading the charge? You got a backbone spiritually. Are you standing straight? He said, I am concerned about their 
predicament. You read, if you, I think it's in the Gospel of Matthew. The children are crying out in the temple. Some of the powers to be said, Lord, tell them to shut up. And they're kind of ripped, uh, interrupting things. Jesus said this. I, don't, I won't get it exactly right. But he says, don't. He says, you better not offend one of these little ones. He said, he says something about their angels are looking after them. Sir. Oh, Jesus. He is concerned. He is concerned about you. He is concerned about what you are. Where are wherever you are today? He wants you to have, he wants you to open up and just let him know what you're really feeling. What are really don't take the mask off for pity's sakes. Just let him know. Pour it out to him. Say, Lord, how long do you expect me to have to go through this nonsense? Now listen to this. He says, so I have come down. Yeah, Moses, you're the guy that I'm going to use because I only operate through human beings, unfortunately. Once in a while, I'll throw a donkey in there or a rooster, you know, or a raven. But mostly, I just operate through stubborn people like yourself. He says, but don't, don't ever get it wrong. He says, I have come down. You read it. It's what it says. God, listen, God doesn't just, if he just left us powerless as fallen humanity, oh, my word. You think we're a mess now? Go ahead. Point to yourself. You think you're a mess now? Think how bad it would be if God didn't come down. He says, so I've come down to rescue them. I wonder how many of these people had been told. Now, listen carefully. The promise God made to their father Abraham. This was made to Abraham. They did not have any written version that we know of. Hello. All they had was the promise God made to Abraham that, that maybe had been passed down one generation to another generation. Generation, 400 years, 400 years, 400 years, they had, they didn't even have the law yet, folks. How long, God? Says the 20-year-old to his grandfather. A hundred years later, nothing changed. How long, Lord? We're like being mistreated here by Pharaoh. It was okay when you had Joseph around. Joseph kicked the bucket and he's not around no more. And now there's a king that doesn't recognize that we're God's people. And so we are being treated like slaves. How long, Lord? See now. If the word had been passed down from one generation to another generation, they would have known. Because in, when God speaks to Abraham in Genesis 15, chapter number 13, it says, Then the Lord said to Abraham, Know for certain, Abraham, your descendants, you know, you ain't got none yet, but I'll give you one when you reach 100. Don't worry about it. It's all good. How long, Lord? Well, you know, 75, 80. 81, 82, 83, give me 84, 85, 86. Oh, how long? Well, I'm going to wait till you, you know, get mature. 100. Oh, boy. You then, Lord, do you know what people are going to think about me? What about my wife, Sarah? I mean, she'll be 90. 
People are going to talk. But here's what the Lord said to Abraham. Know for certain your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated for 400 years. They knew. However, the only way that that would have went to generation to generation was Dada speaking to son. Hello. For 400 years. But God tells him, he says, but I will punish. He says, but I will punish the nation they serve as slaves. And when you, you will come out, Abraham, okay? Remember to tell your son and have his son tell his son and his son tell that one and that one and so on. He says, and let them know. Let them expect and anticipate that when I do release them, God spoke to me. He says, and they will come out with great possessions. You read about when they came out, they loaded gold and silver and all the knickknacks and the teacups and everything. They threw them out. They said, hey, just leave, man. However, they, it was for a purpose. It was to build the kingdom of God and worship called the tabernacle. Do you realize that the first hundred years of the church they fully anticipated the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's been said that in the first 300 years that the church was birthed, and that first 300 years, they went from 120 to 7 million in 300 years, not without a cost. There was approximately 2 million martyrs. You do realize that for the first approximately 30 to 35 years that the church was absolutely adding to the church, such as should be saved, they had no New Testament period. You do know for the first 30 plus years they operated solely on the apostles' doctrine. That would mean word of mouth from an eyewitness. You do realize that. You do realize that the, the, the New Testament didn't just all of a sudden, after the day of Pentecost, it wasn't written like, you know, the first week of operation. In fact, Took them a hundred years to get it fully written. How long, Lord? And they fully expected the, the return. And then Jesus talks to them. He's trying to lay a little bit of groundwork, trying to get them stabilized a little bit, trying to get them into a... a putting them into a, a spiritual mindset that would get them to understand that he is going to be taken away. And he tells them, it's expedient for me to go away. In other words, it's better for you if I do go away. Because unless I go away, I can't pour out my spirit upon you and in you. He said, but here's the deal. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. He says, in my Father's house are many, 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 many mansions. He said, if it were not so, I would absolutely tell you so. He says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, 
He says, I will come again and I will receive you to myself that where I am, that where I am, you are going to be right beside me. We're going to have a big house party. But how long, Lord? The Thessalonians, they, they, they were writing and saying, hey, Paul, you know, people are dying, you know. And people are getting a little upset here because the Lord's not coming yet. That's right. Read it. That's right. He said, man, people are dying and, you know, they're going to the grave and people are scratching their heads and they're saying, well, so much for that idea. Paul says, hey. He says, hey, don't be ignorant. Don't be deceived. Don't be foolish. For a day, this part we like, right? For a day unto the Lord is what? Whoa. I'm glad he used to say yesterday, today and forever. <laughs> but they were right and saying, hey, you know, what, 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 what gives? I mean, you know, great, 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 great uncle Bob, 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 Bob died and we're all expecting him, to, you know, to go into rapture, but it didn't happen, and now we're kicking dirt on him. And 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 Mabel, 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 Mabel is kind of upset, and she's scratching her head and wondering how long. See, David. Wow. If if that prayer was coming from another source other than King David, it wouldn't make such an impact on me at least. But knowing it came from David, that he had questions sometimes, that his prayer was sometimes, Lord, what's going on here? You know... And although we cannot be certain at what point in David's life he writes this song, his life is an open book for us to read about the trials, the failures, the victories of this man of God. You know, the shepherd boy who would become king, the man after God's own heart. You know why David, he's... He's writing to let you and I know real people. Not kings and palaces sometimes. Not slaying Goliath sometimes. But David, you know, the guy that, that he felt the sting of guilt and shame more than one time. Getting busted for having an adulterous affair with Bathsheba. And then the premeditated conspiracy to have her husband Uriah killed in the heat of the battle. <clears throat> How long, Lord? He says, right, where's Psalm 45? That my sin is ever, 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 ever. It's ever before me. You know, a real life situation. Or he was provoked by Satan to number Israel, which was against the law. That mistake would end up with God sending a plague that would kill 70,000 people. How about you? That knocked me for a loop. How long, Lord, till you deliver me from the weight of my failures, 
Or he knew what it was like living in a cave, hiding from Saul, even though he had already been anointed to be the next king, hiding in a cave. Darkness. How long, Lord? You've anointed me when I was a kid, and I'm, I'm almost 30 years old. How long? Until you're anointing. What's the crown on? I'm king. I'm the anointed next king of Israel. I don't think I should be having to hide out in this dark cave. Okay, I'm just saying. Are you with me? And he knew what it felt like. Listen carefully. And oh God, I don't even like to bring this up, but it's real life. He knew this was a, a king. He knew what it felt like to lose his own children, one an infant and the other Absalom. These words weren't just written from, you know, from a palace of ivory and gold. No, sir. He's, these words emanated from a heart that had been absolutely broken at times through the real life scenarios that come to us in the disguise of depression and anxiety and loss and health and financial crisis. Real life. And he said, how long, Lord? How long will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? You see, we can be encouraged by these words spoken by a giant of faith knowing he is in our corner encouraging us because as a great man as he was, he was never so proud as to hide his true feelings in times of great despair. He, he's in your corner. David, these words resonate. He's in your corner. He knows what it's like to have to hide out in the dark recesses of a cave. He knows what it's like to see a child suffering and sick. He knows what it's like to have a rebellious kid. He knows what it's like. Here's a point to remember. You see, I don't think David actually thought God had forgotten him, but his emotions were telling him that. They say that 85% of your decisions are made from your emotions. But in a relative sense, we need to consider most of our trials are short-term. They're short-term. And emotions are simply that. Emotions are feelings of despair that, uh, that just tend to boil over when we find ourselves in an uncomfortable situation that we in within our own self, there is no escape hatch. And we have to, we have to, by spiritual mandate, we can't get out of that place by ourselves. And so we have to be open and honest and say, God, how long do I have to continue to be in this situation?
We allow our emotions to hijack the situation, but emotions are short-term reactions to the immediate demand on us, and they usually only last a few minutes or hours. One writer describes sorrow as an emotion, as a, a lingering guest, he said. He said, I will entertain moderately, knowing the longer we entertain, the longer they stay. We feed ourselves. When we get into that, we feed ourselves. It accumulates. It's a domino. It's a snowball effect. We begin to feed ourselves all that negative fear, anxiety, doubt that the world has out there in front of us every day. It's an onslaught of doubt and fear and hearsay. I was looking forward to my 68th birthday. It's all planned out. I'm going to have a great time. Here I am. But here's a little clue for you, right? At 68, you don't know how long you got left. For that matter, none of us do. But trust me, at 68, reality sets in. Don't let them kid you. It's not just a number. It is reality, okay? How long left? Well, listen carefully. Is this it? You know, I'm at that. 68. I'm at that, you know, what is it, 65 and older? If you're 65 and older, if you get COVID, you're going to die three times. And if you're unvaccinated and you don't have boosters one, two, three, four, and five, then you might as well just. You know, as the old saying goes, grab your ankles and you know what? Just fly away. But it's reality, Jay. I mean, there's no, I didn't, you know, I don't have no, you know, special end road with Gabriel and the rest of them guys, you know, and the Lord. I can't say, well, Lord, you know, I've got another. 50 years to go here. You don't know. But boy, I sure feel good. But I guarantee you that when you're, you know, when when you when when you're sick, right? You're in the hospital or something for the clip. I won't pick on you, but I might as well. Boy's been in the hospital a few times last year or so. Open heart surgery. Trust me. I went in for, you know, a procedure I do every five years. That's the only time I ever go in the hospital. If I ever had to go in the hospital and stay there a couple of days, I'd probably die. I just don't, you know, I don't like them. But you understand, is it? It's, I love what that writer says. Is it's a lingering guest. And the more you invite them, sorrow and anxiety and fear, and the more you entertain those guests, the longer they just want to hang out and party with you. Listen to Romans 8.18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy 
they're not even worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Yeah, Paul said, hey, trust me, I've been there. I was shipwrecked three times, and I've been beaten so many times that I can't count them all. Well, Barry, he says, actually, he says, I run around naked because I didn't have anything to wear and starving and eating and stuff, you know. And he says, but I learned one thing. He says, I learned how to be content. He says, when I got a ribeye, I'm good with that. When I got a moldy piece of bread, I give it to the mice and eat the mice. But he said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy. They're not even worthy compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Not even, not even on the same page. Not even. For we know that the whole creation, listen carefully. We know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Those volcanoes underneath the sea, that's a groan. That earthquake, that's a travail. My cry, my prayer, that's simply part of the process of not death pangs, but birth pangs. <laughs> oh, yeah. My prayers, my cries, they're birth pangs. They're giving birth to revival. They're giving birth to a new set order called the new Jerusalem in heaven. My, it's not a groan of death, no sir. It is a groan that only a mother understands when she's about to give birth to the joy of her life that new it's given the church is given birth every time we weep every time we pray every time we worship every time we sacrifice i'm just giving birth to the kingdom of god for we're saved by hope but hope seen is not hope we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. What shall we say then as you stand to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? How long, oh Lord, it's okay for me if it's okay for you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation? Distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, the sword, nay, in all these things. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. The whole creation is giving birth. The whole creation is groaning. The spirit sometimes, the Bible says it maketh intercession you don't know what it is that's trying to be released from you. The birth pangs, not death pangs. Jesus didn't look at the suffering, the Bible says, but he looked to the joy. Jesus groaned in the spirit at the grave of Lazarus. He groaned. Why? Because he knew that in short order, about a week down the road, he was going to be visiting that place where Lazarus was. And he, there had been nobody that had visited that place and came back on their own power. He was going to take on death, hell, and the grave. He's going to walk behind those closed, dark recesses. The plan of redemption was going to get very real that time. 
How long will you forget me, Lord, forever? How long will you hide your face from the church, Lord? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And day after day, the sorrow that I feel in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? We know God can change your situation in a hurry. He can move you from a jail cell to the palace in a short few hours of time. You don't believe it, ask Joseph. He can raise you from a convict to the vice president. Moses, I know that you killed that Egyptian and buried him. You knucklehead, you're a special kind of stupid, son. I want you to know that when I get through empowering you, you're going to walk up to Pharaoh's door, you're going to knock on his door, and son, I am going to use you until he releases my 600,000 families. And when he does, they are going to know the hand of God has been upon my people. Listen to Revelation 6, 9, and 10. Listen carefully. Brother Cliff, can you read the Bible to me? Listen. This is the voice of the martyrs. Oh, my. Listen to it. From Stephen on, they say, that there have been 70 million Christians martyred throughout history. This is their voice. When he had opened the fifth cell, he said, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Verse number 10. And they cried with a loud voice saying, Oh God, how long until you avenge our adversary and lock him up. Stephen's in that bunch. Peter's in that bunch. Paul's there. Isaiah. Listen, Isaiah 40 and 31. How long, O Lord? I don't know. This is a preacher that's not going to come to you and try to persuade you that Jesus, that the rapture of the church is going to take place the day after tomorrow. Here's what I know. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. David doesn't end. Here's the way he ends in verses 24. He comes, he brings it to a crescendo. He says, Lord, now I poured my heart out to you. He says, I want you to know now, I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto you because you have been good to me. After he pours his, after he pours his very depths of his soul out to God, then he says this. He says, Lord, I want you to know loaded myself, but I want you to know I trust in your mercy. My heart rejoices because I'm saved, and I am going to sing the songs of Zion because you have been so good to me. And it goes on with life. 
And he removes himself from that, that environment of self-pity and sorrow and anxiety. And he says, I'm out of here. I'm alive and kicking. Wherever you are at today, whatever you might be going through today, I want, I, I, I would ask you, if you would come to an altar and if you would just express to God, just be honest with Him. Don't try to, you know, don't try to, to, to mask it over. Come on, are you trying to kid? Pour your heart out to Him. Say, Lord, you can, you can be honest with Him, but in the end, tell Him how good He is. Tell Him how good He is. Tell Him how grateful you are be sitting in the house of God today. Tell him how thankful you are to still live in the greatest country in the world. Tell him how thankful you are to have bread on your table and clothing on your back. Tell him how thankful you are to have the house of God as a refuge for your soul. Would you come this morning? If you need a miracle in your life, if you need a healing in your life, if whatever it is that you need, I am convinced here today that Jesus Christ is present and accounted for and He wants, He, he is concerned. He is concerned about what you're going through today. And He wants to minister to you. Alamash.